If you have uh, been at Cross Point very long, you know that we typically start off our uh, the preaching time here with a prayer, and we pray for um, our civil leaders. And um, I just wanted to kind of clarify and explain uh, why we do that. It comes from First Timothy two and Paul's encouragement to pray for your leaders, so that there will be peace so that the gospel will keep moving out. Um, it's not a politically inclination, a political inclination or politically motivated while we pray like that. We're praying uh, with gospel motivation for our leaders. And in light of what's going on with our government, I want you to pray with me today that God would intervene and he would do his work in creating peace so that the gospel continues to move forth through the church. So pray that with me. And then we always pray for another church in town um, so that there's not competition, but that there's cooperation uh, so that the gospel moves forward. So we, we typically start that. I just wanted to explain that. If you've been here a few times and wonder, it seems like they do that. That's why. Uh, so that the gospel continues to press forward and that many people believe on Jesus because of the church and what they're proclaiming. And so that's why we do that. So y'all pray with me before we get started today. Father, we um, offer to you our plea and our prayer that you would intervene and move, uh, turn the hearts of kings, as uh, your word says in Psalm, and um, that our government on every level, local and National, that you would um, keep a peace, an environment of peace here, not so that we just can enjoy the fruits of that, but so that uh, you're creating an environment where your gospel continues to go out through the church and through the preaching of the gospel and through the way the church lives and interacts uh, in every country, that you would... Um, Keep an environment where we are sending people out without obstacle uh, politically, that we are um, growing and multiplying for your glory and for your namesake as a church. And uh, Father, we want to pray too this morning for Highland Terrace Baptist Church here in town. And uh, they're receiving a new pastor and we pray that you would use him to faithfully preach the gospel, that he would in meekness receive your word and in meekness deliver your word in truth and feed your sheep at Highland Terrace without obstacle. Uh, we are grateful for the cooperation that we have with Highland Terrace in um, the far corners of the field with one of our families. We're grateful that we've come alongside them and they've come alongside us. And uh, we're grateful to you this morning for orchestrating that. And um, thank you that we're able to cooperate with one another. And I pray that you would continue to humble us in that and use us in that cooperation with Highland Terrace. We pray that you would open our hearts this morning to hear um, this, this message from your word and that we would understand and we would see what truth is this morning in our hearts 
because uh, your spirit intervenes in this moment. And um, we're grateful for you and how you've moved into our lives and how you have um, imposed in on us and how you've turned our hearts in repentance. And we are grateful for Jesus in this moment. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, if you'll turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're not going to be going to a lot of Scripture today back and forth. Here's the the plan. We're going to go to James chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, 13 through 18. And then we're going to go back to Proverbs 26 where we were last week. And that's where we will uh, wrap up. Where we left last week, we looked at Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. Uh, We looked at the fool. And specifically that passage explaining what it's like to interact with this guy. What it's like to interact with a fool. What happens when you entrust him implicitly by himself. Um, What kind of things play out. We looked at the reckless, dumb, lazy nature of the fool. Um, That's the three characterizations of the fool in Proverbs. And so we kind of ended up sitting with last week and we ended with our propensity to be that fool. That it's very easy for us, especially if you're listening to Max McLean read the Bible, to sit up straight and raise an eyebrow as Max McLean is reading about this poor fool. And we can take on this condescending attitude towards who that fool is and who is described there. Instead, we ought to well acquaint ourselves with that's, that's what we can be. That's our propensity is to be this fool. And then remember, the original language here, Hebrew for fool, is described and defined in Psalm 53. Psalm 14 and 53 say the same thing. Verse 1 is that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Wouldn't maybe proclaim that, and I don't think any of us would this morning. Wouldn't say with our mouth, there's no God, or else we probably wouldn't be here. But in our heart, in a moment, in one afternoon for David, King David, one afternoon, wise in his own eyes, doesn't consult anybody, doesn't consult God, chooses not to listen to what he knows God would say in that moment, I am king, one afternoon, listens to his heart, and a man ends up dead because of it. And so our propensity to be reckless and be dumb and be lazy is lies close at hand. Why? Because Proverbs 26, verse 12, there is more hope for a fool than a man who is wise in his own eyes. And so we left last week. Hopefully, hopefully we are suspicious of our own heart, a little bit more suspicious of our own heart's wisdom. Martin Luther said he's more afraid of the Pope inside his heart than he is all the Pope and all his cardinals and what they could do to him because there's a little Pope inside him called self. And so I hope that's where we were left last week. And then we saw Isaiah 52 where Jesus, Jesus perfectly wise, he he acted wisely, Isaiah 52 says, when he was lifted up and exalted on a cross in obedience unto death to the Father. That was a wise move. And that people are astonished by it. 
how he was marred beyond recognition. And as we're astonished by Jesus, a God who would in meekness come and be submissive to the Father and be exalted in atonement for us, we're astonished by that. And then the, Isaiah 52 says that the king shuts their mouths because of Jesus. A little king inside of you, as you're astonished by who he is and what he has done, that king shuts up and he's quiet when your awe of him is great. And then that the king sees and the king understands. Why? Because Jesus acted wisely. Now, that's, that's kind of a lot of theory and that's a lot of great truth here and it can conjure up a lot of theory in your brain. Well, how does Jesus uh, give me wisdom Monday? I mean, I know he was perfectly wise and I know he's the perfect model. I get that. But how do I gain wisdom? The, the beautiful thing I hope today that you see is that Jesus gives you a, a great gift in the church. He, he has placed wisdom among us. And so the good news for you this morning, I hope that you see, is that Jesus has provided wisdom and it's all around you. Wisdom is not only just trusting and being astonished at Jesus, but wisdom is also available, accessible to you today, incarnate. It's available to you through his church. Now, let's look at James chapter 3. James is a wisdom book. Uh, It looks like a letter because he addresses it to a particular people, but it's not to a specific location, but to the church in general, believers who have been dispersed. Um, And so it looks kind of like a letter, but it's a wisdom book, most scholars would say. I would agree. It just is full of two words that keep coming up, and that's meekness and wisdom. And so we're going to look at the other wisdom book, not written like poetry, like Proverbs, but written more like a letter. We're going to look and see what James has to say about what wisdom looks like among you. Okay? Now, um, James 1, remember what that says. He starts off this book, James does, with, if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, and based on last week, what we should say is, me, that's me. First one to raise my hand when you're handing out wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you without reproach. He won't shove it in your face. He will graciously and gently give you what you need. And if you need wisdom, he will provide it. And James 3 shows us how he does that. He provides it through the church. Look at verse 13 of James chapter 3. James is following up on speaking about those who teach and how careful they should be and how they live and how they speak to others. You know the passage before this and that the tongue is a fire and many forests have been burned down because of what we say. So we have to be careful. There's a caution here to those who speak and claim to be wise. And that these people, these teachers that should be careful, are to be suspect of themselves. And so then he comes to verse 13. Let's read 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Okay, just stop right there. The assumption here by the writer is, Wisdom can be found among you, okay? Let's don't run past that. Let's just be comforted in what the writer tells us here is wisdom can be found. 
among you. Okay, so now we're going to look for it and see what it looks like and how to find it. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be uh, boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the first thing we see in verse 13 here is, how do you find this wisdom around you? Where is it? It starts with meekness. And we're going to look at what meekness is and what that really looks like and how that flows out from our life. We're going to look at meekness in just a minute. But first, I want us to look at verse 14 through 16 to see what wisdom is not. Okay, we're going to look at what wisdom isn't. In verse 14 through 16, what it isn't is it's not wise in its own eyes. Look at it, 14 again. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do you hear the king from last week? Easily offended, selfish ambition, I will get my way. I'm not listening to anyone. If you don't listen to me and don't agree with me, it, you don't know what I know. I have a lot of experience. I've read a lot of my Bible. And if you don't listen to me and you don't agree with me, you know what you're going to bump into? If, if you don't listen to me alone and the conclusions that I've come to and you don't trust what I see, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get bitterness and you're going to get my selfish ambition right in your face. That's what you're going to bump into when you come up against people who claim to be wise and really, there's just this bitter jealousy and there's selfish ambition. It's not meek. That's what wisdom isn't. I've come to conclusions on my own. If you don't agree with me, get ready. So, the opposite of wise in our own eyes is meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness, okay? We, we sometimes think about meekness and we think, well, that's softies. Pushovers, right? It's not what meekness means. Meekness does mean, literally translated here, gentle, gentleness. But many times when we think of gentleness, we think of our movement towards others, right? I'm going to be gentle in how I speak to you. I'm going to be always gentle in how I speak to my children, always gentle. I'm, I'm going to be gentle in my movement towards you. I'm going to be careful how I say it. I'm going to be careful when I say things. It doesn't mean I'm not saying things that are true. I may speak truth to you, but I'm going to be careful. Meekness ramps gentleness up in that it goes both ways. Meekness says I'll be gentle in how I speak to you, but I will also be defined here as easily imposed upon. The meek are easily imposed upon. Yes, I'll be careful in how I move to you, but when you move to me with insight, 
when you move to me with opinion, when you move to me with your perspective, when you move to me with truth, I will be, I will be easily imposed upon by your ideas, truths, perspectives, and your thoughts and your insight. So meekness says, you can impose upon me. You see that? Gentleness, meekness. Meekness takes gentleness both ways. And if you'll think about it here, kind of like a spring. Meekness is the spring where wisdom from above comes from. If you lack wisdom and you want wisdom, it will come through the meek around you. And it will spring forth. Wisdom from above will spring forth out of the meek who are gentle and careful how they speak truth, but they're also easily imposed upon. I will speak truth to you, and you can very easily impose upon me truth. Do you see it? And then these seven things in verse 17, they're like the creeks or the streams that flow out of meekness. I hope that helps you think this through. This isn't something that you muster up. This isn't something that I try and be these things in my own effort. It's as I'm meek, as I'm gentle with truth, and as I'm easily imposed upon by you, what flows out of that spring are these seven things in verse 17. Like a creek and a stream cover a mountain, these will cover your life. These will be markers for the wise around you. Do you see it? They're fruits of wisdom from above that spring forth out of meekness. So let's look at these seven things um, in verse 17, these, these springs and creeks that flow out of someone who says, I will, I will easily be imposed upon. But verse 17, but wisdom from above is first pure. And what he means here by pure is that their intentions, their motives. It's very hard to know and see people's motives, right? That's hidden in the heart. But how you live, how you speak will prove that your intentions are pure, How you live and how you move will prove your intentions when you move to speak to someone, speak wisdom or speak truth. Your intentions are pure. It's very hard to see. It's very hard to know intentions. And we'll look at that here in a little bit, how you know intentions and how you know they're pure. Peaceable. This meek wisdom is peaceable, pursuing resolution to conflict. Doesn't mean that there's not any conflict, it means they pursue resolution to conflict. Not creating conflict for entertainment. They're not just creating conflict because they're bored. Or they're not creating conflict for their selfish ambition to make themselves look good in an argument. Not creating conflict for attention. They're peaceable. They're marked by a desire for the resolution to conflict. And if you haven't listened to the conflict series from last summer, summer a year ago, you can get that online and you need to listen to that. And you will see what marks men of peace and women of peace in that they are constantly looking and there are many ways to resolve conflict and there are many steps in resolving conflict that are good. But a meek wisdom from above is marked by that. Third, gentle And here's gentleness popping up, explaining the meekness, but gentle both ways. I'm careful how I move in truth and insight to you, but at the same time, you can very easily impose upon me your truth 
what you're seeing as truth in the scripture. You can, you can impose your wisdom upon me and I'll listen. I'm easily imposed upon. Open to reason. Open to reason means this, that you're able to say to those that you walk with, I might be wrong. It doesn't mean you're not convinced. It it doesn't mean that you're not convicted and convinced and hold to truths. But in negotiable matters and in the way we're living and the way we're walking together, your, your posture is open to reason. I'm listening. I'm pretty convinced about something, but I'm listening to you because I might be wrong. You, I may doubt it, but you might be right. Open to reason. This is very difficult to just become this person. It's very difficult to just kind of try and put this stuff on. It's got to flow from meekness, easily imposed upon. I'm listening to you. Open to reason. Next, full of mercy and good fruit. I've put these together because I think the writer does. Full of mercy and good fruit. This, this is a um, uh, eagerness to forgive. Uh, half-cocked waiting to just forgive everybody. Doesn't mean that you just forgive them, but when, when someone repents in your direction, you're just like, oh, I forgive you. It's, yeah, I forgive you. I'm, I'm eager to hand out forgiveness. I'm eager, half-cocked, ready, full. I'm full of mercy. I'm about to pop. I just want to forgive you. I want there to be forgiveness like I've been forgiven. You're full of it, full of mercy. And there's good fruit in that. And that's a marker, another marker of who is meek and wise around us. And then impartial, give everybody a fair shot regardless of prejudice. Give everybody a fair shot denying prejudice. That's very difficult because of your experiences of maybe where you grew up, your experiences of injury in the past of hurts, but the meek, where wisdom from above is channeled through and given through, the meek, they're impartial. They're looking to give everyone a fair shot, regardless of any prejudice. And alas, sincere. This just means genuine. Uh, When they say something, and you know they really mean it. They're not conjuring up phrases to make themselves look good or look wise, but they're sincere, and you know it by the way they live. You know that when they say something, they really mean it, and they don't are not careless with their words. They're not careless with compliments. They're not careless with encouragement, but they're precise with encouragement in a timely word. They're sincere. So these are the markers. We're thinking of meekness as a spring where wisdom comes from and it flows out like a creek, like a stream covers a mountain. These seven things cover the lives of the wise. Now, last week, we, we, we came to this conclusion together that the wise 
or the, the ones who are gonna find wisdom are astonished at Jesus. And so here's the two things you're looking for when you're saying, where is wisdom among me? They're astonished at Jesus. And the king in their heart is quiet. And secondly, you look at these seven markers. Are they there? And that's how you find wisdom among you. That's one of the ways that you, Jesus has given you the gift of wisdom is it's all around you. It can be all around you, but it's gonna be in the church. This is who you consult. This is who you listen to. This is who informs the movement of the little pope, the little king inside you. So where does this little king in our own heart, wise in my own eyes, where does he find wisdom? He finds it all around him in men and women who are astonished at Jesus and are marked by these seven things. So wisdom doesn't just come from within us. It doesn't just come from uh, my pontificating and sitting with the word and just sitting with truth. And it doesn't come from me just having the truth in my lap, coming to a conclusion, this is wisdom. I know best. I have the knowledge. I have the understanding. I have some experience. It doesn't just come from within you. It's affirmed and confirmed among you. James says, who is wise among you? You and I need Jesus, and we need his church. Now, look back to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. And let's look at the fool one more time. This message is entitled, Seven Sensible Men. And we're going to look here at what seven sensible men are. And... um, what the poet here is saying. Remember, this is poetry. This is um, a lot of hidden meanings and sideways meanings here. And so what does the poet mean when he says seven sensible men? We looked through verse 12 last week. Let's, um, let's pick up in 13. Remember, the sluggard, the drunkard, the simpleton are all interchanged with the fool. Same guy, okay? Because the fool is reckless, dumb, and lazy. And the sluggard says there is a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. This fool is so lazy. He's like this open door that just swings on its hinges based on the breeze. He is not going to be imposed upon by anyone. There are always excuses for the fool to not be imposed upon. Only a little breeze will move this fool. Don't impose upon me. I've got plenty of excuses why you shouldn't impose your insight into my life. You shouldn't come that close to me. I mean, the thing I keep hearing in my own heart is, that's none of your business, right? We love that. This is, this is none of your business. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I know, what experience I have. I don't trust you. And it's lazy. And there's always an excuse for others not to impose upon you. There's always an excuse for the fool. In fact, the 
fool will put his wisdom up against seven men who can provide sensible answers. Seven men. They're, they're so convinced, they've come to such strong conclusions about their own wisdom and their own insight that I can look at seven men and say, you, you are all seeing the same things. You're all saying the same things about my situation. And I'm saying, you're all wrong. You see how different this is from the markers that we just listened to, we just saw in James 3? Totally the opposite. He'll put his wisdom up against multiple men. This sensible here, this word sensible, in the original language, it's a beautiful definition. It is a messenger who always delivers an accurate message. A sensible man. The second definition is one that has satisfied the trust of many others. So, who's sensible? Man, what they say is almost always true. They're careful with what they say, but they give accurate messages. This, this man, this woman around me in my life, they're, they're, they're saying things that are, they prove out to be true. And they can be trusted. A lot of other people around me, they trust them and listen to them. That's sensible. Always deliver an accurate message. A messenger that when the king says, I want you to go to that province and I want you to tell them this is what I declare. And that messenger goes and he delivers it spot on. He doesn't change it. He doesn't influence it. He delivers the message of the king accurately. Sensible. Trustworthy. You can trust them because you see that what they say proves to be true. And you look around and other people are satisfied in trusting them. And you bring 7, 10, 15, 20 of those men up against the fool and he'll say, nah, I know better. I'm convinced. I had a really good quiet time. You should have been there. It's been amazing. You weren't there. I think I know better here. Sensible. The fool is so wise in his own eyes that anybody, even seven sensible men, imposing their insight or truth or instruction or admonishment upon him, it's inconvenient or it's inappropriate or I don't have time. It's just unnecessary for you to meddle in my business. And we're not talking about meddling here. We're talking about walking, coming alongside, and imposing help and wisdom into your life. But it's imposing. You think of the word, I was talking with Christy about it last night. She said, the word impose is negative. We think of being imposed upon, that's a negative thing. We immediately think about that is hard, uncomfortable, that is inconvenient, and it's difficult to think about being imposed upon. And the meek say, Impose upon me. I'm listening. Open to reason. It's difficult. Are the things and the conclusions, and take your devotional time. Uh, devotional reading, devotional, I made fun of quiet time just now. Uh, those are good things. We need that. We need that more. To the solitude with Scripture, to get alone with your word and read and listen and pay attention. It is a good thing. 
Don't hear me say that's a bad thing. However, the conclusions that we draw when we're sitting alone, are they affirmed, confirmed, and brought to light in light of seven sensible men or women? Are you, are you, do you find yourself often saying, God told me, fill in the blank. God told me, fill in the blank. Or, or do you find yourself saying, I think uh, our family thinks God is saying, fill in the blank. Which is more familiar to you? God told me, because God told me fill in the blank offers no imposition from anyone else to speak into it. You know, I had this, he told me. And, or is it, I think he's telling me something here. I think he's moving me in this direction. I think what he's saying to me is this. Is that what you see too? That's meek. Impose upon me your thought and insight based on the scriptures. Impose upon me, will you? Because I am not wiser than seven sensible men. I will be imposed upon. Will you come alongside me and affirm or confirm what I think God is saying to me? My seven sensible men, there's not seven, but I don't, I mean, it could be. Maybe just be two for you, or maybe one, or maybe 18, I don't know. But my seven sensible men, man, shout my grocery list, they know just about everything. I'm not asking them what I should buy at the grocery store. But man, shy of that, there are men around me right now who they know my bank accounts. Not all of them, but there's men in the group of my seven cents of men who know my bank account. They know what I give, what my family gives. They know weekly, at least, how my marriage is going and how I am moving towards my wife and shepherding her. They're getting pretty frequent updates about my parenting my finances, decisions, and you may be sitting there thinking, oh, poor Brad, you, you weak sucker. And that's okay because I, I, I'm well acquainted with this fool. I'm well acquainted. I've messed plenty up. I've been plenty reckless, dumb, and lazy. And so I will allow these men to impose upon me, and I've seen it play out. And I can tell you confidently, it's playing out in, your, in the elder body of this church. It's playing out in the deacons. It's playing out in small groups where there's this flat leadership, and we listen and we oppose upon one another. And you know what comes out of that? Wisdom. Wisdom just springs up out of that. Willingness to listen. Willingness to be imposed upon. Not being wise in our own eyes. I hope it's not weak. I don't really care. I, I think it's meek. I hope it's meek when, when we listen and when we say, here, I'm going to open this door. I want you to look in, and it feels very weird because this is really none of your business, but I want you to speak to this. Are we giving enough? Are we giving too much? Here's my, here's my schedule this week. Am I too busy? Or am I not busy enough? Opening that door is meek, saying, impose upon me your insight. What do you see? 
What journey have you been on where you can speak into this journey? That I might not be wise in my own eyes, but listen to sensible men and women around me. So why do so many of us continue to move in isolation with things? And hear me, I'm not, I'm not asking and I'm not encouraging you to be paralyzed. Where, where, do we, where do we eat lunch? Well, let's call up seven sensible men. Where, are we, where should we eat lunch? I'm not talking about being paralyzed in your movement. But I am, as a pastor here, watching from 50 yards away, seeing you and your families move and make decisions, whether it's purchasing a car or deciding on school for your kids or your parenting or your time. And sometimes we get in a bind with those decisions. And sometimes when I talk to some of you, I'm like, did you run that by anybody? And and it's not a condescending question. It's, did you run that by anybody? Look around you. There's wisdom among you. Open the door. Let some folks in. We can help you when you want to make those kind of decisions. But you'll have to be ready to be imposed upon. And so the heart of this pastor just says, don't isolate yourself. It will feel, feel weak, and it may feel difficult to have others impose upon you. But remember what we read in Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. How can the, how can the king of fools manage marriage, parenting, finances, work, relationships, emotions, failures, loss, sickness, grief? How can the king of fools do that on his own? Proverbs 26 says he'll make a wreck of it on his own. Proverbs 26, 10, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool. He'll make a wreck of it on your own in isolation. Hopefully you're still in Proverbs 26. I want you to look at Proverbs 27 and we'll wrap this up. Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. If we're going to move in meekness and we're going to find wisdom among us, we're going to have to learn something. And I want you to hear me clearly. We have to learn something. This does not come easy. There is tension here. We are not predisposed in our nature to want others to speak in and impose upon us. We have to learn something. We have to learn to appreciate rebuke. We have to learn to appreciate admonishment. We have to learn to appreciate warning, caution. It's it's not something we woke up this morning wanting. (laughs) Look at Proverbs, just one page over, 27, verse 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of a friend. Of an enemy. No one is ever saying anything to you that feels like an imposition, that feels like stings a little bit. Those around you never ever push in and say anything like that. The question becomes are they really a friend? Are they really wise? 
No one is ever pushing in. No one is ever. Uh, these people are always telling me exactly what I want to hear. Not a friend. Not wise among you. And this wound that a friend can give, this stinging imposition that wise friends give you, it never stops stinging, but I think you can learn to appreciate that. You learn to appreciate truth that's imposed into your life. I mean, the fact that he uses the wound. Um, in our house, uh, it, right now, we're playing outside a lot. The age of our kids, somebody gets a boo-boo every day. I mean, there is some sort of bleeding happening at our house almost every day. We're going through lots of Band-Aids. And just recently, uh, one of my children uh, skinned their toe, I think, and, and it was bleeding pretty good. We got the bleeding stopped, the stinging stopped, Band-Aids on, we're good, right? But still sobbing. And we're like, what's wrong? I mean, it's okay, Band-Aid, no more bleeding. And that child said, sobbing, still anxious and worried. Am I going to die? And then last week, Clint Stevens and I played basketball, and a couple weeks ago, um, I fell and hit my elbow. You can see this mark here. And it was pretty gnarly. Um, I could see things I probably shouldn't see when I looked down into my elbow. And my first thought was not, am I going to die? My first thought was, man, I ain't got time to go get stitches today. <laughs> See, I've learned how to assess what's going on here and what it really means. And so when, when a friend imposes in and when seven sensible men speak into you and it stings, you get to a point where you learn to appreciate it. You, you, you have to learn. And once it happens over and over, it happens more and more, and you learn to move and walk with other men and women in wisdom and in meekness, you'll learn to appreciate it. It still hurts. My elbow still hurt. <laughs> but I, I had enough experience, and I was able to assess what's really going on here. I'm not going to die. But when, when you first let someone impose in on you, and you ask for their wisdom to speak into your life, whether it's finances or marriage or parenting, you will say, I'm going to die? That hurts so bad. I can't believe they said that. Who do they think they are? They don't know me. And that can be our reaction to people who impose in until we learn. Oh, that stung. That stung a little bit, but I know what this is. They're being a friend. And this is how I get wisdom. This is how I avoid foolishness. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Last thought. When, when we think about our Lord and what is meekness? Um, I just, my mind went straight to the Gethsemane prayer before he went to the cross where he says, Man, let this cup, Father, pass from me, but not my will, but yours. And our God is an imposing God. He imposes upon himself. The Father imposes upon the Son. Here's the plan. You're going to go take on human form, and you're going to die. 
And Jesus receives that in meekness. And you think it wasn't an imposition? That Gethsemane prayer shows that it was. Man, let this cup pass. But this is going to be a wound, an ultimate wound, even to death on a cross. But not my will, but yours. Impose upon me, Father. And then Isaiah 52 says, when he did that, when he let the Father impose that upon him and he was obedient to the cross and he was lifted up, Isaiah says the suffering servant acted wisely. Trust and be astonished at Jesus and and open yourself up in meekness to the church around you. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Brad, that's really cool that you have that because you're an elder. You you know a lot of guys who have wisdom and can speak in. You're just saying that because of your uh, position. Well, you haven't been here very long if you're saying that, number one. And number two, you're probably not engaging your small group because I can tell you there's wisdom among us. And it's not perfect. It's not always flawless. But there is meekness around you. Men who will let you impose and who will impose gently upon you and walk with you in wisdom. And there's women, same thing, who will gently impose and speak in to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you're, you would add a blessing and an understanding to the preached word today. And I pray that you would um, help us. <laughs> help us to learn to appreciate imposition into our lives from seven sensible men. Help us by your spirit do that. And as we take the supper, remind us again. Remind us again of where we are and who we are and who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.